listening to the Gridiron Growl Podcast from ChopTalk.com. Welcome to the Gridiron Growl Podcast. Mark McLeod with you. You can follow me at McLeod Live. Be sure to follow the Gridiron Growl at Gridiron underscore Growl and at Chomp Talk for the latest on the University of Florida Gators. I am joined by Jake Hitt, and I'll introduce him in just a moment and let him take it away. But also Brian Fox Jr., who, of course, is the guy who created ChompTalk.com, and we've got a lot to talk about. Finally, something positive to talk about. The Gators get a win, but guys, it's very little to talk about. I guess really for fans, as I've talked to over the past uh, 24 hours or, or more. You know, the positive is let's let's talk about Dan Mullen being fired, and that seems to be a positive for a lot of Florida fans. So we got a lot to catch up on. The Gators do get a win. Gators get a nice win in basketball over Florida State. Maybe uh, Jake can get us caught up a little bit on that one. But without further ado, who wants to take the turn first, Jake or Brian? Let Jake take it. He's he's on here more often. I don't know about most people, but I had really fun watching this game. Uh, <laughs> definitely a game that is, um, going to probably, you know, it's probably put the nail in the coffin for a lot more people. I think the coffin is now on that mechanical thing that you turn the lever and it lowers the casket into the ground that is firmly planted there. Um, just a little bit more and he'll finally be, um, metaphorically dead. So, but it's just a, a baffling game. Um, I really did think Florida was going to have another Georgia Southern for the first time in eight years. But unfortunately, we were robbed of that hilarity. Well, you're a glutton for punishment, man. <laughs> I'm just the, I'm just sick in the head. That's all I got to say. Brian, your take, my friend. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting. I've gone to four games now this year. Uh, I've gone to Alabama. I went to the Florida-Georgia fiasco, and I was up in South Carolina, actually. I was very cold sitting in those bleachers, uh, but I was up there, and then I was in the stands, and I went to all these games as a fan, which, Mark, I know you probably don't get to do that very often now. It's something that even as credentialed media member, you need to take advantage of because you kind of forget just how much fun it can be uh, to sit down with family, friends, whoever. Um, it, it's something that, you know, it can't be beat, that experience. Um but those are the games that I've gone to, and about halfway through uh, the Samford game, I was sitting here like, you know what, maybe it's me. <laughs> uh, you know, they've managed to lose all those games. Um, we've traveled a ton of miles with the team this year, whatever. Uh, but, yeah, what a, uh, you know, embarrassing is probably the best way to put it, the performance by the defense. Um, and it really just overshadows what was a historic day by the offense um, and, and, you know, as much positive, as much negative as we could talk about the defense, there's just as much positive with the offense. Uh, but all that's overshadowed because of the extreme lack of preparedness uh, by the defensive side of the ball. And in the wake of the firing of Todd Grantham, you know, we heard from guys all week that they were ready to play for Christian Robinson, that he was not the wrong choice, uh, you know, despite having three other guys that have coordinator uh, experience. Um, they sure didn't play that way. Um, that was pretty obvious. Um, but yeah, no, this, uh, I don't know how Dan Mullen recovers from this. I don't think that even if they win out, 
uh, get to a bowl game, win a bowl game. I just I don't know how you go forward with Dan Mullen as the head coach right now. I totally agree. Last week on the podcast, that that's the thing that did surprise me because I really thought they would go with McGriff or Mullen would go with McGriff as the, the defensive coordinator in the interim position. But Christian Robinson, and the only positive I could really say is, well, you know what? Those guys should play with a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of energy because he seems to be that kind of assistant coach. Guys, this goes right back to Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen knew the situation. He knew what was going on with the defense. He he should have taken a more active role in making sure that group was ready. And as we've said for really two years now, where is the preparedness of this football team in so many games, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball? Special teams has just been miserable to watch this season. You look at what's going on with Dan Mullen and the postgame and the bizarre appearances. Now, look, I thought earlier in the week he had a good appearance. I really did. And then he follows up, follows it up with this excited, we got to win, guys. That That's great to get a win. We're, you know, we're fired up about this. You know, this is good. College football is tough, guys. That type of postgame, and he lost me. He totally lost me. And, you know, Brian, I, I have been in the stands. That's where I, I've, I've spent quite a bit of time there this season. Just being out there, it's funny how you heard a few weeks ago, there was talk even then about Dan Mullen. But there was a lot of, well, you know, give him a chance. Maybe he can take care of this. Maybe he can do this. Maybe he can get it done against Georgia. We'll see what happens. A lot of unhappiness, but a lot of, let's see what happens. Heard none of that. Heard none of that yesterday? None. Everybody is off. Everybody knows the direction that they would like to see Scott Strickland take this program, and that is away from Dan Mullen. Yeah, the perception of the program is obviously not a very good perception right now. And I think part of that is in Christian Robinson getting named the defensive coordinator, it looks like another one of those cases or another one of those scenarios where Dan Mullen's kind of handing his buddy a good job and giving him a tryout or whatever, even though there are more qualified you know, candidates for that position. Um, accountability has been something that's been an issue in this program for now at least two years. Um, the, the shoe dating back to the shoe toss. I don't know if you saw the, uh, game day take, uh, on Florida and, and the curse of the shoe and all that, but, um, it's just kind of interesting just how far and how fast this program has come downhill. Let's, let's be real after the Alabama game, Florida, let's be realistic. Florida was at an extra point from being tied with Alabama. And here we are, you know, what is it? Two months later, questioning that this head coach actually Pete Thamel of uh, Sports Illustrated says his firing's imminent. Uh, how do we get from there? I mean, that's just incredible. It, the the downfall of Dan Mullen's program at UF is, I mean, it's one of the. We thought the Jim McElwain story was crazy. This story is just as crazy, isn't it? I don't think it's as crazy. I think um, I think the the Jim McElwain story was crazy because he just kind of faked. Not fake, but he just kind of made this false accusation and then got caught in it and then didn't say anything. And then when Scott was like, look, like this is all hypothetical, obviously, but you know, Scott was like, look, what are these death threats about? And he doesn't say anything. Yeah, got him fired. I think that's a little bit more crazy. This is crazy in the sense of like collapse of a football team, like just in general, you know, like this is more because it's all been different circumstances every time. Well, must champ. They were kind of mediocre, had a good season, and then the wheels fell off when all the injuries happened. You know, Jim McElwain, not having a great year, gets destroyed, makes up something about death threats, ends up getting terminated. This is just for two years, 
looked like everything was going in the right direction. And then, you know, have a, uh, underwhelming year and it's just fallen off a cliff in that sense. So I, I think it's just a little bit different because it's, it's not the coach creating some like false scenario and PR scandal. It's the coach's field product that's doing it. Well, it's bad decisions all the way around. Bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. And, and honestly, guys, look, this isn't a new problem. The bad decisions, in my opinion, started with him kind of waving his hand in the air at recruiting and recruiting issues being uh, thrown at him or suggested. And I don't mean just David Waters a couple weeks ago. I'm talking going back a few years ago. We feel we're good about recruiting. We, we got it. We're doing a good job. I, we got quite a few guys interested. We got this. We got, you know, and it was always a positive spin when those of us who cover recruiting, and I, I'm, I don't cover it like other guys. I'm not on a day-to-day guy, but I'm, I'm invested in terms of I follow it. I'm very interested in it. I used to cover it years ago. I'm looking at this, and I see there's a problem here. There's a problem here, and he doesn't want to address the problem. The problem here is, first of all, him. He is not that guy. He's not a closer. He doesn't seem to want to be invested and and develop into that guy. And secondly, several bad choices on either staying with assistant coaches who needed to be removed from the program and replaced with guys that can recruit as well as coach, or maybe a bad choice here or there. It just seemed that whatever Dan did, his, he tripped over his own ego along the way. He refused to make some moves that he absolutely should have made. Well, when we talk about recruiting, it's very simple. I've been saying the same thing for years. Go back and listen to some of the first episodes of this podcast, actually, and you'll hear me say that when Dan Mullen tells you we have our own grading system, that you know it's complete crap because they're on they're in on every single guy that Ohio State's in on. They're in on every guy that Alabama's in on. Guess what? We all have the same recruiting and the same evaluations. Just one team's more likely and better at getting those guys. Um, and that was something I, I think comes back to accountability. Um, and I think, I mean, if you've watched the press conferences, obviously, Mark, you've been there. Uh, I know you guys had a in in in-person media. I don't know if you ended up going into that or what, but... Dan Mullen comes across very, I don't want to say fake, because I don't think that's right. He definitely has this, uh, you know, sense of him. And I think that it, it turns me off just listening to him talk. And I assume that, you know, if he's recruiting with the same personality and the same kind of attitude, then I can absolutely understand why nobody wants to play here. I've said this before, Brian, is, you know, Dan Mullen, when he first came into this program, took over it. He came in saying all the right things went on and on about the Gator standard. Um, you know, we used to win here when I was here. We're trying to get back to that. You know, uh, nobody likes putting up points more than me. You know, all sorts of stuff like that. He would go around to the sororities and the fraternities trying to get people, you know, trying to get people to sign up for student tickets so that people could pack the swamp uh, for game day. And then as the years went on, it just, it just, you just didn't see it as, often as he did, you know, the guy who's trying to bring a lot of energy, who's excited to be here. And I don't know if that's a choice. I don't know if that's the actual Dan Mullen, but it makes it feel like there are two different Dan Mullen when he comes in all excited with all this energy. And then the next two years, it's not even remotely that almost two and a half. 
And Jake, I think we all agree that we wanted him to be super successful when he got off that airplane and he's doing the Gator chomp and he's talking about the Gator standard and everything. That's what we wanted in a head coach. But the guy that we've got now is not the same guy as that. And if he got off an airplane right now doing the same thing, it would shock me. Yeah, these coaches gotta they gotta stop it. <laughs> you have Urban Meyer. The, we're gonna recruit only the one percent of the one percent, and you're sitting there thinking, um, "Coach, then we're not gonna be a very good football team." Because some of those guys have academic issues. Of course, you saw Urban quit saying that after a while. You had um, Jim McElwain with Clara Bell. And, of course, that didn't prove to be true. And now you've got Dan with the Gator Standard, which, where is the Gator Standard? I'm ready to go back to the Steve Spurrier days when he made comments about the Auburn coloring in the books in the library. It's time to make a move. So what does Florida do now? Would you prefer them to see Mullen coach it out through Missouri and Florida State? Or would you prefer to see Scott Strickland do something this week? Are you willing to give him the Missouri game and see? And if that goes awry, see Strickland make a decision after the Missouri game? I think most fans, most of the people that I've heard from, I spent today texting people and, and trying to get some feedback from friends and some of the Gator people who I've got to know on Twitter and what have you. And most of them are ready to see Scott Strickland make the move. Yeah, I would tend to agree with that, that, uh, you know, you want to see Scott Strickland get out ahead of this. I don't care if Dan Mullen continues to coach for the rest of the season if he chose to do. But I think that the administration has to get ahead of this and partly because of the other job openings that are available Mm -hmm. uh, with USC, LSU, Miami's potentially going to be open. uh, Virginia Tech might have an opening. Uh, You kind of want to get your name out there early, get it out there fast and start to establish who your top candidates are going to be. And I think the sooner that you do that, the better. And and again, this is all under the idea that you don't think that Dan Mullen's the guy moving forward. But I also don't have any confidence that Scott Strickland's going to fire uh, the coach that he brought to UF. So, but I, if it was me, that announcement would be made Monday morning. Uh, in fact, it probably would have been made Sunday, but um, you know that obviously did not happen. But I also don't expect that we're going to hear anything anytime soon. Yeah, I'm of the opinion he's uh, he's going to stay. I just, that's just the way I think, you know, it it is a pretty precarious situation though, because either you fire him now or you fire him next year, you still got to pay him $6 million up front and 12 million over however long. But I just think this is all contingent on how many games he wins to finish out the year. You know, they finished that ball eligibility. It's iffy for me. If they finish the gear, you know, win out, He's going to be coaching next August. That's just the way I feel. Well, you just made a lot of people happy. Boy, you've been a joy and a pleasure this podcast, Jake, for a lot well, of Gator fans. I'll, I'll just say this. I'll just say <laughs> if people hate me, they'll never, they'll never hate me more than I hate myself. So, <laughs> Well played. Well, the biggest take that I have really outside of this is what's it doing to the team? What's in the locker room? Don't the players deserve more? Don't the players deserve better? Can you imagine him staying next year? Can you imagine what the rest of the winter is going to be like, the spring, throughout the summer, going into next season? And really, the elephant in the room, outside of the players that are in that locker room currently, recruiting. What kind of effect is that going to have on recruiting? Thus far, it's not been positive this season. 
look, as if it's not, you know, hard enough for Dan Mullen to recruit, you know, when, when guys are saying literally that he's on the hot seat and it's pretty much all but addressed by the administration, yeah, that surely isn't going to help things out. You know, I agree with Jake. I think somehow he's going to be here next year. Uh, I hate that I'm saying that. I, I just, I don't, like I said, I don't trust that Strickland's going to do anything about it. Uh, but I think the potential implications of keeping Dan Mullen another year, and if they're recruiting in the in the 20s and the 30s next year as well, you could set this program back five years. You can look at it and, and not have anybody that's going to want to coach this except for some some guy from, you know, some FCS school who wants to make a jump or something. Uh, I think that by not making a move, you you have the potential of really just setting this program back a long time. I could see that. The expression of whether the cupboard was empty or the cupboard was full and full of roaches. I think if you don't supply enough talent and Dan Mullen is fired, yeah, the next guy is gonna be is gonna be in for a hard road and you're gonna have to convince somebody to be like, hey, come coach this team with you know, not all of these talented guys and try to fix it, or you can go somewhere else. It's a better situation. We don't know who the coaching candidates are going to be next year. We know who they're going to be this year, possibly, but in terms of the locker room, do they deserve better? I mean, they deserve better in terms of they deserve to have a better season because they put work in and, you know, they're student athletes, but uh, the the way the message that I've seen from the players is, you know, it doesn't seem like they're wallowing in anything. You know, they're having a, they're playing bad games. They're not playing well. But every time you're asked about the adversity, they're like, hey, we just got to stick together. We got to do this. We got to do that. It's, you know, I don't know if they're really good at PR training at the in the um, in the in the athletic association. And Dan just doesn't listen to it. Or these guys truly do, you know, still have high spirits for this year. I think they're just kids. I've been through a few of these. And the Muschamp era, the kids said the same thing. We're fighting. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. Even if a couple of them, a few of them may have said, we're, we're fighting for our coaches too. You know, we believe in our coaches kind of thing. Heard the same thing during the McElwain era. Hearing the same thing now. Same thing in baseball too. When you go back to Pat McMahon. We've heard similar thing from some of the players playing under Mike White. I go back to Mississippi State. In nine years at Mississippi State, he had one year, one year, where he had a winning record in the Southeastern Conference. And they stayed the course with him then. It wasn't much longer, and he's at the University of Florida. Part two of that is, okay, how many coaches on the hot seat really struggle through it and elevate the program and the program is going great guns and there are very very few that you can think of in college football over the past say 15 years really very few recruiting is a big issue the next issue guys that we haven't really talked about that i haven't seen many at all talk about is the transfer portal mullen has won the day he and his staff have won the day in the transfer portal they have done a fabulous job getting some players in who can help the program. How many of those guys are willing to come in now and say, you know, I'll hitch my wagon to that star and and go in there and play? Because obviously the message from Mullen and any assistant coaches is going to be, we need you now. We have a place for you right now to come in here and and start and change this program. Be some guys that'll buy it, but there are going to be a lot of guys that are going to say, no, 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 no. I want to go to a program where there's some stability, where they have a chance to win a, a championship, 
What about Florida's players? Are we going to see, I don't want to say a mass exodus, but even if we don't we don't see a mass exodus, how many guys do you see from Florida's team that, that uh, are maybe going to make their way to the transfer portal here? Yeah, Mark, before I get into the transfer portal, I do want to touch, I'm glad you brought up Mississippi State and Dan Mullen's tenure there. Um, I happened to scroll across a tree, uh, tweet just uh, literally minutes before we got on here, and so I did want to read this. Uh, I admit I have not had a chance to verify this, but it looks like a stat that's probably true. Uh, it says Dan Mullen had five wins in total in eight seasons at Mississippi State versus ranked opponents. We were all told that it was impossible to win at that program against top 25 schools. Mike Leach, their current head coach, just won his fifth game against a ranked opponent in one and a half seasons at Mississippi State. And I don't want to, you know, belabor the point because I do think that Mike Leach is capitalizing on a lot of what Dan Mullen built there. So I, I don't necessarily, but the point of the message here is, you know, call a spade a spade. Dan Mullen is what he is and he always probably will be. When it comes to the transfer portal, you know, the message I think is kind of difficult. Uh, if you're coming to a position that's thin, yeah, you're going to get playing time. You're going to get playing time right away. If you're a you know a graduate player, that might be an option that you're looking at. If you're a guy that has several years of eligibility, I don't think Florida is even going to be an option to you. I would think not, um, but who knows. When you look at our running backs right now, not to criticize because the running backs have been phenomenal. Uh, Damian Pierce is a guy I, we could talk days about and uh, about the potential misuse of him by Dan Mullen in this offense. But, you know, you see guys, five-star guys, uh, Lorenzo Lingard and Demarcus Bowman sitting back there and really have not gotten a chance at all. And this isn't necessarily trying to make a case that we aren't doing it right because obviously on the defensive line, Imagine that defensive line without Valentino or without um, Newkirk. It's a drastically different defensive line, and that Alabama game gets out of hand really quick, I think. And I don't know how you can look at the transfer portal and, and hope that you can solve some answers there. I think moving forward, the transfer portal has to be kind of a Band-Aid if you have a position that you haven't recruited well. But I don't think you can change up your whole team. I don't think you can do what Mike White's done in basketball on the football field. Um, there's just too many changing parts. Jake, I'd love to hear what you think on that. Recruiting deficits are going to try to be made up in the transfer portal. That's where Dan's been going these last few years. And in terms of the guys leaving, I don't know who will leave. It's almost a given that you won't, uh, not a given, but I will say that I think most people expect to see one of the two quarterbacks leave at some point, whether it's this year or next year. I think the thing with the with getting new kids in or getting new people in is that weird rule that Dan Mullen has about seniority. Mm. Like Brian said, I mean, if Problem. you if you go to a, a deep position, it's no guarantee that you're going to play, you know, no matter how good you are, because Dan might go with somebody who's just been around longer and, quote unquote, earned his spot by putting in the work. You know, I think it's an easy like excuse with the running back situation. It's like, why haven't we seen DeGorex Bowen? Why haven't we seen Lorenzo Lingard? It's because there's three really good running backs in front of him. If those guys weren't producing and they were still getting touches over him, it's a little bit more of a of, of a thing there. But I do understand also that when you got guys who can supposedly make plays for you and have game-breaking ability, they should be used. And the usage has been weird for a lot of different guys. A lot of different guys like uh, Jacob Copeland. 
who hasn't gotten a lot of run. You know, Justin Shorter, who was supposed to be an explosive football player. And he started to come on a little bit. And I think the teams realized that he can be a really useful weapon for them. But, hey, we're two games out from the end of the year. And we're just now realizing these things. So it's going to be hard, I think, going forward, picturing who leaves and who stays. We also have the NFL draft coming up. And there's, you know, several guys who could be draft prospects uh, as well. So, I mean, you never know how anything's going to shake out until that 12th or 13th game is played. Yeah, Dan Mullen's depth chart drives me insane. Goldcamp always asked him, and Mullen would just laugh or make a comment about it, you know, give you the, you'll see on Saturday. It's competitive advantage, Mark. You can't let the let the other team know about all these people that they already know about. Yeah, yeah, because they don't have film or anything like that, right? Uh <laughs> Are you kidding me? You're telling me that some of these young guys that you've signed, that you guys have been working with, that during August you said were coming along and doing some nice things and aren't ready? You know, some of the other players have said, oh, man, I like this guy. I like this guy's really coming on. Someone says the same thing about that guy. Another guy a week later says the same thing about that. I mean, and this the whole – we have seen the same issues with discipline. We've seen the same issues with – players mistakes so let's see that younger guy let's see what he can do and and that whole thing's with with Mullen is just weird to me that go directly against recruiting right I mean literally halfway through the second quarter uh, against Stanford I had looked over to next to the people I was sitting with and I go you know what they should put the entire second string defense in it literally could not get worse right It'd be nice to maybe see what these guys have got. That's the problem in playing these close games. Now these young guys didn't even get the reps that you would expect them to get in a game like this. The whole thing is just incredibly frustrating. And and again, it comes back to there being no accountability, um, which unfortunately is a common refrain in this program right now. If they were to make a move, who are some of the names you guys would like to see? I think some of the names that get thrown around that, I think would be really interesting to be a guy like, you know, Mel Tucker, Michigan State. I know he's a Big Ten guy. He's he has ties to Michigan State as well. But someone made the point today when you're in that division, you're playing for third with guys like, you know, with teams like Ohio State and Michigan there. And Mel's been on a on a staff in the SEC. He knows how to recruit the southern parts of the of the country and what it takes to win the SEC. So he could be an interesting name. A lot of people have also are like interested in him for the LSU job too. Um, a guy who I think should probably get some more interest in the LSU job. And a lot of people have called for is Billy Napier at exactly. Louisiana. Exactly. He's been a solid coach for them. It just makes you wonder, can he, can he roll with the big boys and be in those deep waters of the SEC for an extended period of time? Can he, you know, recruit on the trail, things like that? Because when you're in, you know, when you're coaching at Louisiana Lafayette, you're playing in second place on the recruiting channel to almost everybody in the SEC, plus, you know, LSU is getting every good player in Louisiana. But those are two names I think have been thrown around a lot. One that I think would be fun would be Jamie Chadwell from Coastal Carolina if they bring that offense in. I think it's a fun offense. That's just, that's just uh, me spitballing. No rhyme or reason to it. It just feels like Chadwell's built like got something going at, at Coastal, and it might be a scenario where Grayson McCall is just amazing, and he makes the system look that good. But can't get an established dude because the program's in such disarray. You're going to have to go with a young, unknown dude. 
Right. You think that's where it's at? I'm not sure. I just think that if you're competing with these big name schools that still have job openings like a USC and LSU, you know, I know guys want to come to Florida. It's it's an appealing job. If you can succeed at Florida, you're going to be a really successful coach. And, you know, it's going to put you among the greats if you excel at it. But it's also the fact of the matter is, like, there's some other schools that are jockeying for that as well with a little bit more staying power, like an LSU, like a USC. Washington just became available. I don't know if that's any competitive, but some guys who have Western ties want to go out West. And when another Western job that's not USC opens up. All right. You mentioned Napier, Tucker. Those are two guys that, that I think <laughs> everybody's talking about. I'll give you, I'll give you a couple. Mark, let me give you two first. Okay. Right. And I'll give you my reasons for these two real quick. If you don't mind, <laughs> uh, Mario Cristobal is, is my number one choice. Uh, I know he's got a great gig at Oregon, but the guy's from Florida, recruits Florida really well. He's from that South Florida, Miami area. I think he would be, he would have to be your number one choice. And if it meant giving him nine, $10 million a year to come down here, I think that's where the college football game is uh, headed anyway. I think you jump on it. The other name I want to give you, I know you've probably seen it a lot on social media. I don't know that this name would ever come to fruition here for uh, many reasons, but Lane Kiffin. Uh, and the reason I want to say Lane Kiffin is if you look at what Lane Kiffin is doing now, and, and you can't look at what happened pre Alabama, I think is, I think there's been a lot of maturity from Lane Kiffin since then. But if you look at Lane Kiffin now, is he not the modern day Steve Spurrier? Obviously he's not doing the same type of winning that Spurrier was doing at Florida, but he's also at Mississippi and, you know, after Mullen and Mississippi state, I don't really want to give anybody that kind of leeway anymore, but Lane Kiffin is an offensive guru. Uh, if you don't want to go with genius, that's fine. Um, he's a guy who knows how to talk. He backs it up, and and it's kind of fun, and it's fun to watch. And and I think when I look at him, I'm like, that's Steve Spurrier 20 years later. I, I'm curious what your thought is on that. Yeah, he's got strong Florida ties. You yes. know, what's funny is I ripped Lane Kiffin uh, for some things, you know, back when he was at Tennessee. And uh, one of the hosts there at the noon show gave me a call and said, you got to come on our air and talk about this. He was, we heard you were talking about it down in Gainesville on ESPN. So, yeah. And so I did. And one of the parents of the player that they didn't appreciate some of the things that he did and said, and boy, so they brought me on in Knoxville and we talked about it. And I told him, I said, look, this guy's not right for your program. And, Lo and behold, a few months later, and I didn't think he would do that, but he did. He left. I said that I don't think he's going to be there very long. I had no idea he was going to leave <laughs> after one year. I, I'm telling you. But, you know, another name, okay, if you're talking about guys that have that have kind of trying to turn their life around, turn their career around, Hugh Freeze. Yeah. Hugh Freeze is another one that I think you would have to look at and vet. Uh, obviously, he's made a lot of mistakes. Go ahead. Put pole. Say what? I don't think you touch Hugh Freeze with a ten foot pole at all. Well, that's that's where I'm coming with this. Uh, you know, he's made a lot of mistakes, but do you trust him? Do you think you can manage him? Or do you think he's turned the table? Has he, or is he still the same guy? Honestly, you're going to hear that name with some of these other schools that are available. Names from the NFL. Uh, that's what I was trying to think of earlier, and I really couldn't come up with any. Obviously, a name that people talk about because of. His uh, work at LSU is Joe um, uh, la, 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 la. What's Brady. It? Brady, thank you. Joe Brady. Thank you, Joe Brady. That's a name that 
that certainly people over in Baton Rouge have been talking about for the past few weeks. Uh, not at the top of their list, but he's gotten quite a bit of commentary on the boards. You know what, Brian Johnson. Dan Quinn. Well, look at just Brian Johnson, who was just here a year ago. Exactly. What he's done with Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia. I don't know that he's ready for a head coaching role, but he might be an upgrade to what we're currently seeing. Uh, LSU seems to be going after Jimbo Fisher. Good luck. I don't think he's leaving. <laughs> Again. There's no way I would leave. Jimbo Fisher being recruited by LSU is like, it's the one constant. It's like death taxes and LSU trying to hire Jimbo. Yeah. So you're saying the third time will not be the charm. I don't think so. He's getting 90. They don't even, <laughs> he doesn't even have a buyout clause. Okay. Yeah. They literally couldn't fire him for not cause if they could. <laughs> if I'm Jimbo Fisher, stay where you are. You're in the money. Big stadium. He's he's got it made right now. I I just think he you stay where you are. You're building something. There's still a lot, a lot of work to be done. We've seen Texas A&M. There's a lot of work to be done there. I've had a couple Gator fans say, "Would Florida ever try to hire Bob Stoops or would they try to hire Mark Stoops?" You know, it seems that that every job that ever's come open in Florida and re- since since Steve Spurrier was here is going to mention a Stoops or two in this case or two. <laughs> I don't dislike Bob Stoops, but I think that if I'm looking for a head coach, I want a guy who I think is could be here for 20 years. Bob Stoops seems like a stopgap choice. I mean, he'd be a great choice, I believe, for an interim head coaching position if uh, something were to happen right before the year or at the beginning of the year next year. But yeah, I don't think that. Yeah, this is a, a spot where you want to take a guy who you know is only interested in coaching for a handful of years at most. Yeah, because he's got to be 59, 60, 61 years old. I mean, he, he's got to be somewhere in that in that range. We could look all day at defensive coordinators. We could look all day at offensive line coaches. But it's funny how we've moved on from that. Now most Gator fans, if you're on social media or the message boards, they want to talk about who the next head coach is going to be. Any other final thoughts there? Yeah. It, it's crazy with this, you know, how I think, and I think it goes back to what Brian was saying, you know, how quickly the script is flipped. You know, it's, it's gone from, you know, the Gators are in the right direction. Um, guys got to fix some things. And they'll be good. Then it's, it's defensive coordinator's fault. He's so bad. He's costing us games, you know, to, you know, as a paraphrase of fans, he's costing us games. He's, not doing well. He's definitely the reason in holding this this program back. Then it turned to Dan Mullen is not doing the right thing by keeping a guy who is a liability to your football team to now straight up. Dan Mullen is the reason this team is in such disarray. It's it's kind of interesting. And that that last three kind of happened in the last, you know, the 18 games or so. Uh, in my opinion, I do want to mention though, Brian, with uh, Mario Cristobal, if Manny gets canned, uh, it's going to be hard to oh, see. If I they agree. Can, they can they can keep him away from South Beach. Yeah, you need to hope for a few more wins from Miami for sure if you want Cristobal. Yeah, a program like that at, at Miami and their struggles with finances and the lure for him is all too obvious down there. If I'm Cristobal, man, you got it made at Oregon right now. You've got it made at Oregon. Oh, yeah. Playing in the Pac-12. Are you kidding me? A couple more names. Luke Fickle. Let me throw Luke Fickle out there for both of you guys. I like Luke Fickle. I think what he's done at Cincinnati is great. I don't know that he'd be the right fit here. 
And I think after the Jim McElwain debacle, that that's got to be a thing. And it's got to be something that you look at and you got to know that you've got the right coach. I don't know why I base it on that. I just, when I look at his games and his team, I just, I don't see him being a fit here in Gainesville and with UF. And I don't think that it would last very long. And I think uh, ultimately he's going to be looking for maybe like an Ohio State type of job. I think there's a decent chance that he ends up at USC. And I I don't think that's a bad thing for him. I just, like I said, I don't, I, I think what he's done is great at Cincinnati, but I just don't see him being a fit here. You know, I think with, with Luke Fickle, I think he's fine right where he is. I think he's okay with coaching at Cincinnati. You know, remember he was the interim head coach at Ohio State for, for several months, and it'd be it'd be interesting to see what his outlook is on coaching for a quote unquote blue blood team. I do think though, as a Midwestern guy, you got to keep an eye out if Brian Kelly jumps to the USC job, like seven thousand people. I would think he'd be more of a candidate for the Notre Dame job than anything. If we're wanting to take another head coaching job outside of Ohio, I agree. I don't think he's a fit here. I really don't. I don't think I don't see him as an SEC guy. And and doesn't this guy at least have to have some some SEC pedigree? I mean, I I really think that helps. Really think that helps. And and certainly recruiting. It's funny. Somebody asked me said, "Well, who on the Alabama staff could could we get?" I said, "I don't see <laughs> Bill O'Brien being a guy. I don't see Golding being a guy here. It certainly isn't going to be Doug Marone." And really, some of the other assistants, I don't even know. Uh, I, I remember Kelly's down there, I think. South Sanceri is still there, obviously. But I don't think you just go and raid the Nick Saban coaching tree. That's happened here a couple times before, and it didn't work. <laughs> I just think that you go and try to find the best guy available. I, I'm not even a guy who's sold on it has to be an offensive-minded guy. Because Nick Saban, I can, I can name coach after coach after coach who's been successful, and they haven't been offensive guys. It's all about guys that can, A, bring you a great staff, put a great staff together, and can recruit like crazy themselves and have a staff that can recruit like crazy and really do the right things. I mean, it all comes down to that to me. No, I completely agree with that. I think – what you need is what everybody talks about, that CEO head coach. It was so funny that after however many years there was, four needs offensive coach, four needs offensive coach. Now the offense is fixed. Four needs coach that can make the tough decisions. You know, it's, it's almost gone one step up. I do think, you know, we talk about this, and uh, Mark, you mentioned, you know, I've never seen a coach, you know, who was so much on the hot seat or, you know, blah, 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 I'll be able to fix it and right the ship. Um, I don't know how much of a comparison it is, but it just made me think of Dabo and how yeah. those years in the early 2010s, it was all about, oh, how is Clemson going to blow this one? You know, how, how, how are Dabo Sweeney and the Clemson Tigers not going to achieve elite status? And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, with Deshaun Watson, he's got a top five program. So I think it is a doable thing. I think you're seeing that right now with Jim Harbaugh, but he had to make some big make some big concessions to get there. He had to take a pay cut, you know. He had to fire some people on his staff. So who knows? I don't know if Dan Mullen be willing to do that. He might be saying, you know, what? screw you. I'm not changing anything. Just fire me. Pay me six million dollars. Do it. Yeah, and you know, I thought of Dabo when I when I said that 
Because I, when I was doing the morning show in Gainesville, I, I said the same thing. I said, I don't see how this guy's going to make it. We had a conversation here and there about Dabo. But my, my take was this back then. You always heard Dabo can recruit. He can really recruit. And everybody listening to this podcast knows you find that right guy at quarterback, and boy, that, that, can, that can give you one, two, three, four wins in a season. And certainly get you close in some games. You're exactly right. That's exactly what he did. He he moved on, found a few assistant coaches that that he could trust and depend on, and could flat recruit. And he can recruit himself, and and he did it, and he got it done. And and a big part of that was you're exactly right, finding the right quarterback. But haven't we seen that with Mullen? We saw that with Kyle Trask at first. Felipe was his guy, and then it took an injury for him to really turn the page and. And, and granted, we know Trask was injured a, a while back before that. Mullen laid that out, made it clear that, you know, well, you know, wasn't really a, you can't really say it was a true assessment of quarterback versus quarterback because Kyle was injured. But when Kyle was healthy, it still went with Franks. He found Franks and or found Trask, and now you found another quarterback here. But But the lingering problems now is staffing. And really, personnel. And I'm not saying Florida's players are bad. They're not. Florida has good players. Florida has really good players. The problem is Florida doesn't is missing that handful or two handfuls, I should say, of elite players that they need to get it done. Missouri. Let's turn the page of Missouri. Do you think Florida beats Missouri? How much of a struggle is it uh, one way or the other? And... Look, I'm on board right now. If if Dan's not fired this week, he will be fired after the Missouri game. That is my take. <laughs> and I'm hoping this program can move forward after that because I, I just hate to see what's going on right now in Gainesville. Florida deserves so much better. Well, Missouri's got a very good quarterback. Connor Bazelak is really, really good. Um, so I don't know how the defense is going to come up with stops. <laughs> it's this weird point where – as a Florida fan, and I think at the end of the day, we all are fans, despite covering the team, we want to see them do well or whatever. And I think that we're at a weird point where we're like, well, do we want to lose if it ensures that we're going to lose the head coach? Or do we want to win because, you know, we love the Gators, we want to see them win, we will support the team. And I think a lot of fans are at that kind of impasse right now. Who knows what team shows up? If it's the team that we've seen over the last month or so, no, they're going to get boat raced out in Columbia, Missouri, just like they did in Columbia, South Carolina. So I, I don't know. I, I tend to want to pick um, Missouri to, to win it, but this team, there's no rhyme or reason or logic behind why you would pick for or against them, except what you've seen results-wise the last month or so. I feel like the defense is not playing for Dan Mullen, that they are pretty much done with him. I think that's kind of what we saw. And based on that, I would have to say that I think Missouri has the better quarterback, and I think they're going to win the game. I think it all comes down to stopping the run for Florida because they have Missouri has Tyler Beatty, and they're going to run the ball. They run a lot of counter with the, in those run packages, and containing him is going to be a big thing that they need to do. They're going to have to be able to get off blocks, win the last scrimmage, all those nice coach speak deals. They're also going to have to go play in Columbia, Missouri, which sucks. So I think this is absolutely going to be a struggle of a game. I do think it 
does not do anything to help Dan Mullen if it is a struggle, whether he wins. If he loses, he might get a tarmac game. He might get the Lane Kiffin treatment. But if he wins this in a struggle, it does not help him at all. He has to win this game decidedly in order to get some of the pressure off him or keep it at where it is, which is already a pretty good boiling point. Yeah, they've got a good one-two punch in Missouri offensively with Beatty and and, uh, certainly Bazelock. I really like what they do uh, offensively. Defensively, they're a train wreck. So it's going to be another shootout for Florida, but... Who knows what the weather could be. It could be a hindrance there. But just to me, just being on the road, sometimes, sometimes that could be the best recipe for a team to come together is when they get out of Gainesville, let's just say, get out of Gainesville, get away from the noise, get away from the talk, maybe have that players-only meeting on Friday night in the hotel room, get it together, come out and play your game. Unfortunately, we haven't seen Florida play 60 minutes of football all year. Uh, we have seen well, uh, the lack Mark, of... where's that been the last where's that been the last 5 weeks? They've been on the road for 5 weeks. Yeah. Exactly. That's my point. We haven't seen it we haven't seen them play a complete game. We haven't seen the the discipline that they need. We haven't seen well, there's just so much that we haven't seen. So I think it's going to be polar opposite. I think you go on the road for this game and I think this this thing is so frazzled. I think it's it's ripped from the seams, if you will. And I think Missouri gets the win over Florida. And it could be ugly. It could be ugly. Uh, Florida's going to score some points on that defense. I, I think most anybody can score on that Missouri defense. But it's going to be uh, it's going to be a heck of a game. And and again, I think the Gator Nation comes unglued if Dan Mullen is indeed sitting there as a head coach. And it wouldn't surprise me one bit if he is. I think that would be the final straw. Be the final straw for the Gator boosters, the final straw for so many of the much of the fan base. And I think uh, that would be it for the Mullen era. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue with any of that. I, I just, you know, Florida was three and one, and now. We're talking about, you know what? They may or may not make a bowl game. <laughs> what a season, huh? Wow. Unbelievable. This is absolutely unbelievable. I mean, we, we went into this year with Florida clearly as the best team in the state of Florida. Florida State fans, very unhappy. A lot of issues there. Miami fans, very unhappy. A lot of issues there. And you look at the Gators program right now. I did not see this coming. I really thought. Say, meanwhile, Gus Malzahn's getting a tan and <laughs> down near the Mall Millennia and um, not having to worry about anything. <laughs> exactly. You know, this should have been uh, an eight-win fe- season easily for Florida. Probably nine. I wrote a piece for Chomp Talk, and and in there I talk about the fact that guys, seven of Florida's opponents have teams that are first or second-year head coaches. These guys are still trying to find their way. They're still they still have so many issues to address in their own programs, but here we are looking at Florida and you got a Florida team that's 500 that could very well be 5 and 7 in 2 weeks. This is unbelievable. I do want to say one more thing though after I said that which is very <laughs> Very inconsistent and you—you you are awesome on this that. podcast. You are just awesome. <laughs> I, like I said, really enjoyed myself watching watching that 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 game, that Sanford game. You know, the just so many points scored. Emory Jones played a great game. Liam Welch played a great game. He'd not been good all year. 
And that Montreal Washington kid, you got to watch out for him. He's, I hope he makes some noise at the combine, gets himself a cup of coffee in the NFL because he could be really good. Yeah, he certainly looked like a special player out there. Definitely, I think, was the best player on the field. Uh, again, I know that the Florida offense is good. But, you know, just to get back, just briefly, just for a moment, uh, about the uh, coaches that may or may not be available. We mentioned, or I mentioned, that I thought that Lane Kiffin was the Steve Spurrier this time. If he goes to LSU, I fear that we are really going to just hate it as Florida fans, because I think, at least for me, as somebody who, who would like to see Kiffin in this position, every time we go against him, it's going to be a what-if situation. Like I said, I think Lane's the guy right now. I think his maturity has, has only gotten so much better. He did a uh, the, the Saban route, went to a small FBS school uh, before getting back up there. I think he's ready for this position. I'm right here, right now, lobbying for Lane Kiffin as head coach. <laughs> All right, you're on the record. You're on the record. I'm on record. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, it's been a pleasure. I wish I could say I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed parts of it. I enjoyed being on with you guys, but uh, the conversation, huh? I am so tired of this. Let's let's find a coach that we can get at Florida and, and can be here for at least 10 years or more and uh, get this program where it needs to be. And we have so many advantages, uh, built-in advantages, advantages because of a strong alumni base, fan base that that really guys need to take advantage of and we're just struggling here with with coaches in three and four years it's just been ridiculous but you can follow me on twitter at mcleod live mcleod live again follow everything that we're doing here with the gridiron growl podcast (laughs) we may be doing two of these a week the way things are are popping here and you can do that on twitter at gridiron underscore growl be sure you go to chomptalk.com and follow it on twitter at chomptalk guys i'm going to turn it over to you to send it out of here but thank you to all of you out there listening pass it along to your coworkers, your family members your friends obviously we have thanksgiving coming up i'm sure a lot of you are talking to family members so if you will send the link to the podcast and uh from chomp talk and maybe even my column or certainly one of uh, jake's columns to all your family family members and friends and uh, it's been a pleasure being on and uh, guys i'll catch you guys next week i'll let you uh send us out all right mark thanks again once again letting us uh jump on with you uh for those of you that don't know you can follow me at chomp talk brian uh very simple there and uh you can see all of our work over at chomptalk.com. jake i'm gonna let you wrap this one up sorry i'm a bad person um <laughs> thanks brian and uh make sure to follow all the takes that you'll probably likely disagree with at jake <laughs> underscore hit zero six be sure to check chomptalk.com for grading the gators and also check out mark's piece as well But for now, with all these things going on in Florida football and all the questions that are surrounding us and will they, won't they scenario of whether Dan Mullen gets the boot out of Gainesville. For Mark McLeod and Brian Fox, I'm Jake Hitt. We'll see you later.